And then you may be seated except for the kids up in the sixth grade. Kids can make your way to Children's Church and their workers. I would like to give one more announcement just before we uh, jump into our message today. We've mentioned the share and of course that is extremely important uh, to the radio station as to Calvary. And if you are looking for a particular time to tune in, a particular time to make a pledge, which is um, a big part of the share the most important part, um, I will be on the air at 12 o'clock tomorrow morning. So Monday at noon, I will be on the air. And so if you would like to listen at that time, I'm not on the radio too often, um, but if you'd like to call in and make a pledge during that time, that would be a blessing to me. They ask all the pastors that are on the air to let their folks know when they'll be on so they could listen. And uh, so if you would like to make a note of that, tomorrow at noon. So for some of you, just when you're getting out of bed, turn on the radio and I'll be on. No, I'm sure that's uh, well into everybody's regular day. All right, let's stop one more time and let's pray and ask for God's blessing. Father, how beautiful to know that you know us. You know me, the hearts and the thoughts of everyone that would hear this message today. And not only have you been involved in the the process of developing the message, giving us your perfect word, but you have been doing something within the hearts of the individuals that would receive it. We would ask that very clearly the Holy Spirit would be involved in this time. And we could see a, I have a mental picture oftentimes of the Holy Spirit just weaving his way in and out through the individuals that would hear this, touching them in a unique way, teaching them in a way that I I could never imagine. And where's the ceiling on that? How beautiful, Father, that you would be involved in this time and we would ask you for that, beg you for that, claim that promise that he who lacks wisdom would ask of you and that you would freely give it. And we thank you for your promises, for who you are and who you have made us to be. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Have you seen anything weird in the past week? something that stood out to you and maybe you said out loud, boy, that's, that's odd, that's unusual. Or maybe something you didn't quite say it out loud because you didn't want someone to hear you say, that's weird. Every once in a while, we will come across weird and unusual things. Sometimes it's just by observing. Just paying attention to things will help you to see something that is unusual. Scientists have observed, observed something unusual um, in uh, the past. They have learned that ducks tend to imprint soon after their birth. In case you're not familiar with what imprinting is, it means that these ducks will attach themselves to the first thing they see after they hatch. And this is a good thing, usually, because the first thing uh, a duckling sees is its mother. It's supposed to work for the duck. The phenomenon backfires occasionally, though, and scientists have record of one of these. There is one time where a duckling, and they've been able to observe this, had the opportunity to hatch under the watchful eye of a collie dog. The dog watched very carefully as the egg hatched, and the duck, the baby duck, took 
to the collie and decided that that collie was going to be its mother. And so that duckling copied what the collie did. It actually had a home um, where they, they could roam around a little bit and that duckling followed the collie around the property. That duckling ran to the dog for protection. It slept with that dog at night. The duckling spent hot parts of the day under the porch with the collie. And when a car would pull into the drive along with the dog, the duck would run from under the porch and quack viciously trying to peck at the tires. It's unusual when we come across something in life that is not acting in the way that we're used to. And it's sad when something acts in a way that we're not used to, but that is actually a detriment to them. There are too many Christians that are living a life that reflects that they, are yet, they have yet to understand what they have been made in God. There is a pull within them to do something that they do not want to do and they have not realized the victory that has been accomplished at the cross. I had all my thoughts together for the message today and even this morning I wanted to add something because it gives a great mental picture. Oftentimes um, a a mental picture will help something stick for you. So let me give you this um, that I wanted to say. Regarding our new nature and our old nature, This was helpful for me to make it stick. Um, We have a dilemma that we who are in Christ still sin. And I won't say, and all God's people said amen, because I don't want you shouting it too loud, okay? But I get it. I know you do. We face the dilemma that those of us who are in Christ, we have a new nature, we still sin. That's a result of the old nature, even though we have been made something new. And if some of you like some extra homework, if you want something extra to read afterwards, write down Romans chapter 7 on your bulletin there. Go and read this. This passage in Romans chapter 7, I would suggest to us that there are some people that that passage resonates with them more than any other passage of the Bible. And I'll refresh your memory. That's the area where the Apostle Paul says, The things that I do not want to do, those are the things that I'm doing. And the things that I want to do, I'm not doing these things. And if we study everything else that Paul has written, we cannot say, well, man, he was a failure. The things he wants to do, he's not doing. And the things he doesn't want to do, he does. Paul isn't a failure. In fact, many of you resonate with that. Because there are so many pulls within you that you hate. And yet, you find yourself doing that very sin sometimes. Here's the word picture that I want to give you. We are a new creation. I am a new creation. But there is still a residue of sin upon us. So we need to understand that these are not equal. You're something new. We've already sang about victory today during our song time you are something new so it is not equal old nature new nature but instead picture it this way there's a residue of sin still on the child of God maybe you've had some work done at your house 
or you've had a chance to go through a building where there was work going on somewhere else and they tried to keep the dust out. They put up this plastic between the walkways and it seems like nothing probably could get through there too easily and yet when a lot of work and construction goes on, once you go to that other area, if you take your hand and wipe it along something, you'll find the residue. It gets in there. The idea for us is we are something new and yet we still sin. Too many are living a life that reflects that they have yet to understand the new nature that is within them. Now, as a result of our time today, there are some things that I want you to catch, okay? And I think some of these will resonate with some. I've given a variety of things and we'll go through a couple different lists today. This is very, very practical today. This, the name of the sermon is The Clothes Make the Man. Taking off the old, putting on the new is the idea, but it's part two. Last week we jumped into this and we focused a whole lot on how a Christian becomes hard to the point where you will sin and there used to be a level of embarrassment when you would go down that road. But even a Christian can get to the point where they no longer are embarrassed. They don't have any shame. They don't even hesitate. I heard the old expression years ago on a, I think it was an old Columbo show, detective show, where they said this, if you have to look around to see if anybody's watching, you probably shouldn't be doing it. And that stuck with me. Having said that, when we talk about this hardness, this callous The idea is you just move forward and you don't even care who's watching. And that's difficult. And so what I'd like for the end result to be today, if you are someone who is struggling in one of these areas, I would hope that you would have the joy of the Lord and that can be characterized by some of these things. So maybe these are things that you don't have. These are things that the Christian should have, cheerfulness. You should have a a, a habit of not quitting, You should not be a person who is characterized by forcing what you want upon others. Maybe you're one that needs to improve in the area of directing your energies better. You know what you want, but when it comes right down to it, you're not directing your energies in a good way. Maybe you need some help at feeling compassion for others. Perhaps you're here and you are one that needs to have your core values reflecting God's holiness. For us to have the joy of the Lord, these should be a part of our life. And perhaps you need, to, perhaps one of these is an indicator as to why your joy is not full, as God's word says it can be. All right, all that to bring us to our text. If you're not already there, please turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, much application today. I'm going to read through verses 17 through 24 and then we're going to give you some very practical tips for how you can take off the old man and put on the new. Starting in verse 17 of Ephesians 4, it says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds for they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, 
greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now last week we keyed in on the first half of that passage and we looked at a downward progression and this is written to believers but the idea is is that believers are not slaves to this. It would be ones that are saying I'm not doing the things that I want to do or I am doing the things that I don't want to do and when you give place to that enough it has a little layer of hardness that develops and then that leads us to a point where we cannot think correctly we're alienated in our minds and that leads us to a place and have you ever said this before that I just don't feel close to God God doesn't feel as close to me today as he used to that's the third step and then the fourth one is that picture that I gave before a callousness a thickness to where you don't even realize you're saying what you're saying. You're thinking what you're thinking. You just move right forward with it. A calloused attitude, unable to feel shame or even regret for sin. And this is a dangerous place if we do not correct it. The word futility here in verse 17 that we looked at, it speaks of emptiness. And we do very, very well to study the scriptures and to see what Solomon had to say about a philosophy of life when it comes to this area of emptiness. You know, Solomon, we have the wonderful record of the things that he looked at to get fulfillment in life. Solomon looked at the area of accumulating wealth and there wasn't anybody that accumulated more wealth than Solomon. It kept growing and growing and growing. And in the end, he came to this incredible amount of wealth that the Bible tells us about, and he said that it leads to emptiness apart from God. Solomon had the opportunity to experiment with the, in the area of his mind, expanding his knowledge. And when he knew about everything there was to know, he got to the end and said, apart from Christ, it leads to emptiness Solomon unfortunately experimented with the idea of getting satisfaction and joy from sexual pleasures and he could do whatever he wanted whenever he wanted and when he experimented with that he got to the end and he found out that apart from God it leads to emptiness So we focused last time on the areas that we need to put off. We are to put off the fallen nature that is within each one of us. The old nature residing side by side with the new nature. Now we're going to key in on verses 23 and 24 today. So would you look at that with me again, please? And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So the challenge here is not a one-time thing. 
It is a constant thing throughout our lives. So even if you are being renewed in the spirit of your mind and you have had a time in your life where you were just on top of the mountain, there is no guarantee that you will stay there. In fact, there is a guarantee that if you do not nourish that, you will not stay there. You will quickly go down. You cannot stand still as a Christian. You're either going down or going up. There can be some benefit to those mountaintop times. I was talking to one of our sisters here in the church just this morning and and she mentioned how through a tough time of trial, scriptures would come back. They came back in. She wasn't necessarily digging through. God brought them to her mind. So there's a big benefit to these mountaintop times when it seems like we feel like super Christians. Specifically, these two natures within the believer. Let's talk about those. In order for the new nature to dominate, so the new nature, we've all got both natures. In order for the new nature to dominate and for us to see the results of the fruit of not the old nature but the fruit of the Spirit, we must be putting to death the old nature. Let me give you a story that illustrates this well. There was a Native American several years back who was struggling with this battle this battle of the old nature and the new nature, so much to the point where he went to somebody for help. He said, I I need some counsel. I need some help. The things that I don't want to do, I'm doing them. The things I want to do, I'm not doing them. And he went to a counselor and he explained it to him. And and he used a, a a, a mental picture that has really stood out for a long time now because this Native American said this, it's like two dogs within me that are fighting one dog represents evil and sin and the other dog within me represents good and what God wants me to do and it's like a fight within and the counselor was piqued by this mental picture and so he asked a natural question he said well let me ask you which dog wins the fight and the Native American thought about it for a little bit And as he thought about it, here's the response he gave. He said, whichever dog wins the fight within me is the dog that I feed the most. If I feed this dog here that represents evil, then evil dominates in my life. If I feed this dog that represents good and God, then this dog wins the fight in my life. And that's a great lesson for us. It's a good picture of what God is telling us in our text. A person can either feed or starve their carnal nature or the flesh, the old man. Or a person can feed or starve their new nature. And God has left this with you. If you know him today, he has left this with you. One will win And one will lose. And for the Christian, the old sin nature, if not properly dealt with, it is going to be a hindrance to to the joy-filled life. Those things that you want to have, if you do not deal with the old nature, you're not going to get those. And when you're not getting joy from the Lord, what's going to happen is you're going to seek it in other places. Let me say that again. If you are not getting joy from God, you're going to seek joy 
We are all hedonists to some extent, joy seekers. And if you're not getting it from God, maybe without thinking about it too much, or maybe you'll say, you know, this, this Christian life thing is not paying off for me. I don't quite have what I think I should have. There's some joys that, oh, wait, I know what made me smile. smile. I know what made me happy, and you'll refer back to those old ways. Feed the new nature. Starve the old nature. I wanted us to look at some traits of the Christian who is feeding their sinful nature. There are some things that will knock you off God's path to joy. God's path, if we can um, use the verbiage in the beginning of Ephesians 4, it said, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. What can knock you off of this path? Well, listen to this list here. What might knock you off that path? What might be robbing you of your joy? Here are some things. Guilt. You know, guilt is huge, and there's more than one way to apply that. There's the idea of guilt that I might get caught. There's also the idea of guilt of not recognizing what God has done for me to forgive me. How about worry? Has worry robbed anybody here of some joy? Now, I'm not saying there's not an appropriate amount of being concerned. I love talking about the semantics, you know. But the area of worry is one that can rob you of what God wants you to have. Ignorance of God's promises. This puts the, the, the ownership right on your shoulders. If you don't know what God has said, that is going to be a major problem for you to walk in victory and enjoy. Giving in to temptation. Last week we talked about a married couple and how that uh, gentleman had stopped what he was doing in his relationship with his wife that would nourish that marriage and he went somewhere else and gave into temptation and had an affair. Loss of love for others. And this is one that's it's, it's hard to impose upon somebody. We don't say somebody's not very loving unless, unless they do the opposite, unless they do something hateful. But a, a lack of love is a shame for the follower of Jesus Christ. And if you don't have your eyes on others in some way, and by the way, that is oftentimes the best way to get a little bit of remedy for how lousy you thought your life was. Show love to somebody else. Talk to someone else. I had this experience this past week. I was down in the dumps a little bit, a little bit overwhelmed, and I was looking at Jeremy And I talked to somebody else for just less than five minutes and I walked away and I thought, oh, I guess maybe I don't have it that bad. If you genuinely talk to others and have a concern for them, you will see maybe you really don't have it all that bad. But you have to take your focus off yourself and have a love for others. A poor prayer life. And the... the, the, The subject of prayer is an area we can all do better in, but if you don't find yourself having a regular time of prayer, it's going to be guaranteed that you're not going to be consistent with joy in your Christian walk. No desire for Bible study, same idea there. I'm not talking about some kind of a Bible reading or knowledge, but a desire. 
God puts within every one of his children a desire to know his word and we are so blessed to have a Bible with us and so many take it for granted. Impure thoughts, jealousy. You know, jealousy might not seem like that big a one but later on in Ephesians we're going to find the seriousness of this It's compared to idolatry in some ways. And then a critical spirit, a critical spirit. Some of you might say, I can't believe he said critical spirit, just like that. (laughs) You're who I'm talking to. When we have some of these in our life, they will rob us of joy. What is the way to be renewed in the spirit of our minds? Well, we already know the answer, most of us. The way to overcome the fleshly habits, and that's what all of these are, the way to overcome these is to be renewed by what God's word says about them. I'm gonna give two examples on the overhead, but in your bulletin, if you got one, you should have a handout that gives some scriptures about all of these. I doubt with anybody has major problems with all of these, but you might pick the one that uh, you would want to focus in on. But the idea that we combat this is with the only offensive weapon that God gives us and that is the sword of the Spirit. And I wanna go ahead and read uh, verses one through five of Psalm 32. This is so beautiful if you're one that struggles in the area of guilt. It says this, blessed or happy or cheerful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed or happy or cheerful is the man whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and you did not cover my iniquity I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Brother and sister in Christ, can I just tell you with all confidence from experience that you have no right to hold on to guilt in your life and let it govern the way you live. If you have asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and make you his child, you have no right to hold on to that. And some might say, but I struggle with it. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Go to passages like Psalm 32 and others like it. And then one other one we'll address in our service here at length, and that is worry, this area of worry. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I just heard this this morning, listening through some of the scriptures. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, notice it does not tell you what not to do without telling you what? What to do. You take your worry list and you turn it into your prayer list. You cannot just not do this and everything's okay. You have to do something with it. 
I was talking with a wonderful Christian brother years ago about this, about temptation. And we had the, for some reason, our um, conversations just digressed to food for some reason. We were talking about the person that doesn't want to eat a jelly donut. You don't want to eat a jelly donut this week. And so the person, if you walk out the door thinking, don't eat a jelly donut, don't eat a jelly donut, don't eat a jelly donut, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about a jelly donut. You need to put something else in the place of that. I know broccoli doesn't sound quite so appealing to repeat that to yourself. But I hope the idea is coming through to you. We do not, we're not to be anxious about anything. We are not to worry about anything. Hey, thus saith the Lord. That's my authority. God said, do not be anxious about anything. But by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Have you talked to him first about it? Oh, how I am convicted when I have not gone to God about something that's giving me trouble. It hits me like that sometimes. I'll be on something and I've spent an hour or a half a day and it hits me. I have not talked to God about this. My son reminded me of that few years ago something was going on we were just troubled and we couldn't figure it out and he asked me there's the holy spirit in that form right there have you prayed about it dad and i had not we need to have this as a governing principle of our lives and then i gave you that handout disbelief of god disbelief of god's promises hebrews 10 giving in to temptation 1 corinthians 10 Loss of love for others, 1 John 3. A poor prayer life, Jeremiah 29. No desire for Bible study, 2 Timothy 3. Impure thoughts, Romans 13. Jealousy, 1 Corinthians 3. And a critical spirit, Matthew chapter 7. Here is what we are talking about in Ephesians chapter 4. Very practically, you are what you think. I know that sounds simple, but you are what you think. You want to spend hours putting garbage in? Do not expect to be anything different than that. The dog that's going to win, and so many of you, I know I'm on point here, so many of you resonated a few moments ago when I talked about the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, the things I don't want to do, I'm doing. The things I want to do, I'm not doing. It's not rocket surgery, folks. It's really not. The idea, and I say that on purpose, rocket surgery is a joke, by the way. Rocket science brain surgery. Yeah. Listen, you are what you think you and i are going to move in the direction of what we're allowing our mind to dwell on and if you give four minutes a day to the scriptures don't expect for that to dominate because i doubt that that's the most that you give something to you have to pour this in and sometimes i feel a little bit bad we always try to do a what can you do a, a takeaway from the message and sometimes when we come to the takeaway, and the takeaway basically is read your Bible, I feel a little bit bad. Can I give them something fresh this week? Read your Bible and pray, and everything's going to be okay. Can I give them something new, something fresh? But brothers and sisters, 
you need to be reminded of this. Put into your mind what you want to become. We are putting to death the old nature and the new nature so that the new nature will be allowed to govern. There they are living side by side. Which one's going to govern? And I'm mixing my metaphors here, I know. The one that you feed more is going to govern. What can you do? Number one, use God's word to combat anything that would feed the actions or thoughts that are contrary to Christ. Use God's word to combat that. And I've already given you a handout and you can go on the internet and type in verses about and you fill in the blank. And you can get a list of scripture about just that or take one of your Bible study books that you might have. We take in God's word daily. That's how we do this. We take in God's word daily and learn specifics about the areas that we are prone to struggle in. And then number two is the other side of it. Embrace a life that is renewed from the inside that works itself into your conduct. And that's got to be the end result, not just a head knowledge, but a, a, a doing of the word. How do we do this? We take in God's word daily. And when you embrace your new nature, then, as I started with, your life is going to be characterized by, okay, now this is the, this is the commercial for the sermon right here. Are you ready? Your life is going to be characterized by cheerfulness. Do people say that about you right now? They are such a cheerful person. Your life will be characterized by, when we take God's word in, focus on this, by not quitting. Are you a quitter? Take in God's word. Stick by stuff that you start. Not forcing your way upon others. But if they would just listen... They would get it. Be content to offer good counsel, but to not have to have your way when it comes to others because when it comes right down to it, you really can't control them. I guess if you're the boss at a business, maybe you can control them a little bit. But for most of the people in our lives, you really can't control what they do. Use wisdom. Don't insist upon having your way upon others. Directing your energies wisely. And we focused on what we give our time to. Feeling compassion for others. Every one of these is a, is a whole sermon, right? Feeling compassion for others. What a different world we would live in. What a different, oh, oh, what a different church we would have if every individual would feel compassion for somebody else. Walk around, not waiting for them to stop talking so you can talk. But with both ears wide open, And you'll realize, oh, look what they've gone through. And feeling compassion, having love for them because that's the kind of love God has for you. And then having core values that reflect God's holiness. As we close, I want to return just to that one phrase in verse number 20. We didn't talk too much about it. Where it says, you learned Christ. Paul writes to these believers and it says, you learned Christ. It's important to note that he does not say you learned about Christ. You learned Christ. And to learn Christ is surely more than simply learning about Christ. We could take a survey today of knowledge that you have about Jesus and the answers would vary. But he does not say learn about Christ. He says you who have learned 
Christ. Now, if you were to ask me about my wife and say, have you learned about Tina? I could say in the affirmative, somewhat, yes, I've learned about Tina. But I could also answer a different question. I could say, I have learned Tina. It's taken a long time to learn Tina. You see, I'm embracing everything about Tina is the picture. And how it should look for you is that your life cannot be, cannot be explained apart from that embrace. Have you learned Christ? Not learned about Christ. Have you learned Christ? Everything about him. Is your life characterized by what Jesus has done and who he is? There is something of that when it says, have you learned Christ? To learn Christ is to embrace everything that makes him God. And when we do this continually, here's a good picture. When you do this, when you learn Christ, you flavor everything in your life. Flavor everything in your life with Jesus, and that's the way it should be. Everything in your life should be, I mean, you you can't separate it. (laughs) When we first moved here uh, to Michigan about five and a half years ago, we were living with family, and that was a blessing for us. There was one thing that happened that I'll never forget, uh, because you share things when you are together as a family, and we were sharing the coffee there in the house, and uh, my brother-in-law's not in here, so I can tell this story. He's back working with our kids right now, your kids. But what I had was I had some flavored coffee, some Michigan cherry coffee. And I had just a little bit left in my little custom coffee that I had, not enough to make a whole pot. So I took that little bit of Michigan cherry coffee, and I dumped it in the regular coffee and just kind of stirred it up a little bit. I mean, whole bunch of regular coffee, little tiny bit of cherry coffee. And the next day, when the coffee went down across the taste buds of my brother-in-law, the face that he made, and he said, did you put something in this coffee? And I thought he was complimenting me. I said, well, yeah, that's that cherry coffee. It's really good, isn't it? And he said, no, it's horrible. Why would you do that? I want coffee to taste like coffee. Not like cherries. And for that whole batch of coffee, every time something was made, there was just, just, just a hint of cherry. Unless it got dumped out. It might have got dumped out. I'm not sure. Same picture applies for you. When you're doing this, every part of your life, so your job is not separate. Hey, hey, those people who you interact with, they need to know that you're a follower of Christ. I know you want to have control. I know you want to, you know, have ownership of the things that you let out there. They need to know it. Everything that you do and say needs to have a flavoring of Jesus Christ. Or could it be that you're hearing this today and you know about Christ? You've been around for enough Christmases and Easter's to know a few things about Jesus. You like little baby Jesus in the manger. Maybe you know about Christ, but you do not actually know 
Christ, that he died because he loves you. And he rose from the grave because he has power over everything, including sin and death. And if that's you today, and you don't actually know Christ, but only know about Christ a little bit, then this is the starting place, friends. This is when you no longer have to, and if you read Ephesians 4 again, you have no choice when you're not a Christian. You have to obey the old nature. You have no choice. And we like choices. I get it. And when you accept Christ, yeah, you still have that flesh while we're on this side of heaven, but you have a new nature, and now you have a choice. Which one are you going to obey? The one you feed. Which one are you going to do less of? The one that you starve. And when this happens, the beautiful picture of all the end results, and that's what Paul gets into. You read through the, the rest of the Ephesians, it's all these specifics, stealing, lying, parenting, marriage, all these particulars. And where does it all start? Right here. Putting off the old and putting on the new and praise God that he helps us even with those small, small, small things because he loves you and he didn't just save you for some time in the future, but he saved you for today. Let's pray. God, we do praise you that we do not have to obey our old man. I know it feels that way. I know people have said the words out loud, I could not help it, I could not stop it. Or I've made a promise to do this for years and I have not done it. God, help us to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and believe what you have said. Thank you for your word. You didn't have to give us a Bible like we have. God, allow us to take it in. Allow us to dwell on it. We thank you, God, for the wonderful privilege that it is to have a new nature and to be able to obey you with our lives because we choose to. We love you and thank you for the victory. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm gonna ask Ron to play through a stanza on the piano, and as he does, we're gonna give you a chance to pray as we always do. It very well could be that you're the person that I was describing that knows some things about Christ, but you do not know Jesus because you've never asked him to save you. You can do that right now. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank him for his work on the cross and ask him to make you his child. And then for everyone else, we've covered a wide variety of things that maybe God would speak to you about. Take some time to pray if God's laid something on your heart. Amen.